0: On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people just like you and me who've had to overcome incredible odds to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow Be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. It is time for a Second Shot Sit Down, actually with a couple we've interviewed before for the TV show, but uh, we had to get them back in here to get more in-depth. Raj and Ana Asava are the co-founders of Hunger Matao, which is a grassroots volunteer movement to mobilize the Indian American community in support of their local food banks. They also moved from India to America, and I just have so many questions about their experience, about their nonprofit, etc. so they are back with us. Good to see you both. Great to be back, Jenny.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Okay, listen, when you came here last time, we, we, we stood here and talked for another 30 minutes, and I thought we've got to record this on camera. Uh, <laughs> but I have to check in. How is Hunger Matao going? I know you have been traveling. How, yes. how, how is the effort going?
1: Amazing. Actually, the community is stepping up in a big way. Uh, last time when we were here, we kind of gave your audience a little bit about what Hunger Matao is. It's a, a movement, not an organization. And we are asking other communities to step up. And thanks to you, uh, we got uh, the word out to other communities. And just uh, last week, yeah. we launched uh, the Hunger Mittal Movement version for the Hispanic community.
0: <gasps> Amazing. Yes. yes. Oh yes. My and gosh. it's called Sin
1: Hambre. Sin Hambre.
0: Hombre, yeah. Yeah, sure, Sin
1: Hambre. Sure. And uh, it's being led by a fellow just as passionate about hunger, uh, wiping out hunger, uh, named Anthony. And we are really indebted to him and his leadership to get that thing started. And across the country, the Indian community has stepped up in a big way. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, frankly speaking, uh, I'm so proud to share with you today that we have completed five years of Hunger Mittal. And in the five years, the community across the United States, the Indian American community, has enabled 50 million meals. Five zero. 50
0: million meals now what's different about your nonprofit? and i i love i mean or you know your group i honor so many different organizations and you know and really try to see them for what they are to me the real game changer is that you didn't try to reinvent the wheel here mm-hmm. you you didn't try to say oh well we're going to create our own food bank that that only our community will donate to you're really sort of infusing your community into what already exists can exactly. you explain that on a
2: no, well, exactly how it works. that. Because there is a very efficient um, machine, mm-hmm. the food banking system, that works. They have reach into the areas that need assistance, right? I mean, we we couldn't even. The issue is so large that setting up another food bank doesn't really make a difference. Mm-hmm. But strengthening what is existing, that infrastructure, I think that is mm-hmm. that is the only way we can even make an impact. Yeah.
0: Right, and, and you, you obviously have. I love that you're expanding this to other communities. Um, I wanted to talk about the fact that you, you, know, you were bringing up uh, the fact that you came here, you're mobilizing the Indian American community. You both moved here from India. Who, yeah. who came first?
1: I came first.
0: OK, and how did that go down? What were the circumstances?
1: So it was interesting, and I'm glad that uh, the title of this show is Second Shot uh-huh. Sit Down. And uh, Jenny, right off the bat I would say, life is all about second shots. That's the truth. uh, Like the old saying goes, when a door closes, two windows will open up. So never give up in life. Uh, Interesting thing happened to me growing up in India. I was a brilliant student. In fact, to the point that my teachers actually had me skip a few grades. Mm -hmm. And I was coasting along, and I was looking forward to a good career, and suddenly, I had typhoid and that had me on bed rest for almost a year and uh, in india the schooling system is such that if you have a break in your schooling uh, courses and mm-hmm. journey then you really are left behind it's not like a semester system that you can jump in and you can catch up so i was you know at a point in my life at a very young age I did not know what I'm going to do next.
0: Right, and that had to have been kind of depressing for somebody who's always been honored and lifted up because of his intellect and intelligence, yeah. all of a sudden that's taken away. By the way, typhoid, not something we worry about here. What
2: What is that? what was that like
1: oh we're goodness. also
2: talking about a long time ago
1: yes yes
2: right so, w- Sure, sure yeah. no, sure <laughs> i know you're not, not throwing shade at him <laughs> no no but you know i just wanted to kind of put some context around this conversation because this was many many years ago right and even things in india have changed of the course. education systems evolved right. but in those days it was right. so different and typhoid was quite common
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean and the thing is that typhoid actually was life-threatening disease back then in that mm-hmm. 70s I'm talking uh-huh. about and what it did to me was I basically was uh, hit pretty hard with the typhoid and a relapse that means as I was recovering oh. I got the second uh, or it's like a like getting COVID twice uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so okay. I had typhoid twice and uh, so I was on bed rest for an entire year in fact my mom and dad say it was like a second life for me Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I went through, but besides the physical challenges and the life-threatening thing that it had on me, the, the setback that I had in whatever I was planning to pursue in my life, yeah. I, I mean I just did not know what path to take. So, fortunately, my dad and my elder sister who was already in America, they come they came together and says, "Hey, maybe he needs a fresh start. Why don't he comes why don't he come to America?" So they invited me. They spawned, my sister and my brother-in-law sponsored me back in '74, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and I came to US and talk about second shot.
0: And then, did you say your dad was already here? Or no, no, no. My well, dad Your dad was, not. was chatting with your sister. sister, and brother-in-law, saying he missed some school years. Maybe, we'll, and how old are you at this point?
1: I was in my late teens,
0: not even like a full-grown adult. Yeah, yeah. No, just no. and 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 how long had it been since you had seen? Your family in America.
1: So uh, we have a very large family. I I come from a family of eight, so I'm one of the eight. And uh, fortunately, over the years, everybody has moved to United uh-huh. States. So we actually look forward to family gatherings and family get together to to you know to meet up. Uh, the last we met, everybody was exactly a year ago in Detroit, which is where I had come to United States, by the way. Uh, and that was at a wedding of my nieces.
0: I bet, was that a huge wedding? It was wedding? a big, fat huge. Indian wedding. I've been <laughs> to some Indian weddings, so much fun. You have to bring so many outfits. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness, <laughs> so many days, you right? So many, oh my gosh, yes, you gotta use all your vacation time for the whole year totally. to attend the one wedding and it's always worth it. Um, but No, but I mean, when you were about to move to America, yeah. like how long had it been since you had seen that part of the family? Well, uh, your sister used to
2: visit India.
1: My sister used to visit India, you know, who was here. Uh-huh. And then uh, in regards to the family in India, right? Uh, we made a point of visiting often. So once a year, yeah. in the early stages of our marriage, we would go maybe two to three times. No, once every two, three years. Okay. But over the last 10 years, we have been going to India every year.
0: Because you guys travel like crazy. We, do. we <laughs> love, so love traveling. You do. We okay, really so so you're 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 not even graduated from high school or anything in India. And no, actually,
1: I I'll oh you with did. You. Cause you, so actually, you I was I was in my second year of undergrad, undergrad. in India by that time because I was skipping grades as, oh, you, as I right. mentioned to you, right? That's right. But again, it was still an undergrad of a most generic course or system, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it, it really didn't add up too much. So that's why when this opportunity to came come to America. Came along, I jumped at it, but my dad is a—he's an interesting uh, fellow. Uh, he's no more, but uh, he really believed that at a young age, people should stand on their own two feet okay. and not become dependent on others.
0: You see, that was—that's oh, what I was worried about. I'm like, were you close with this family? What did, did you have anybody here? <laughs> yeah. Were you connected?
2: So he said, go stand on your two feet.
1: Exactly. He said he, your he sister is there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He was very close with the sister yeah. and brother-in-law. Yeah. But. In an Indian uh, setup, you don't become dependent on your sisters, right? There's, there's sure. a cultural context sure, sure, to this, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the boy is supposed to take care of the family. Uh, girls are, you know, they get married, they move on, they create their own families, mm-hmm. right? So had, had he come here to stay with his older brother, that would have been OK. Ah. Right, but coming, you know, there's, so his father just emphasized that you don't go there and become a burden on your sister and her family. Right, that, sure. yeah, that is that's exactly right. And so how
0: did you not, what, what, what did you do when you got here? What so was
1: the first my, job? My, my dad uh, sent me on a fly now, pay later ticket. And the moment I landed in America, I was already in debt. And fortunately, my sister and brother-in-law were there, so I stayed with them. And I found the first job I could get and the first job I could get back then in 1974 was a dishwasher. Working at a dishwasher at a hospital. And my wages at that time was $1.85 an hour.
0: I remember that's the thing we had in common because my first real job was as a dishwasher also.
1: Oh. Although I
0: made a little more than you at like 465, <laughs> not okay. to brag. So, um, so you came here, started dishwashing. Yeah. Uh, I guess paid off that ticket, and then what?
1: Yes, and I had to work, by the way. I worked uh, uh, around the clock, literally uh, 12 hour days, seven days a week, because I wanted to pay Mm -hmm. off that thing as Mm -hmm. soon as possible so I could now get hold of my life and and get back on track. Mm -hmm. And I knew that education was the way to go forward. So as soon as I paid off the uh, airline ticket, the loan that I had, I started uh, going to school. I started go, uh, attending college, and I started doing evening courses because I still needed to have my full-time job right. to take, you know, basically uh, take care of my family back in India as well as get myself established here. So uh, I started working in. Uh, I started, actually I started doing two jobs and uh, going to. Uh, school uh, part-time in the evenings. You know, being young, you had that energy, so you could oh, do yes. a lot of things. Oh, yeah. You can lot. do two or three jobs. Yeah, I totally <laughs> he get a it. a lot,
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so you kept working, kept working, kept working. Ultimately, what did you study in school?
1: So I studied computers. So computers were just starting out in the late 70s, and uh, I just fell in love with them. I said, this is where the whole world is headed, uh, because every industry would depend on computers You know, as uh, globalization takes place. So I basically doubled down, and I just uh, got myself a degree in computer science. Uh, in de- well, de- Back then, they used to call it the data processing, business data processing. Data
0: processing. Yes.
1: <laughs> I am dating myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. No, no, that's OK. <laughs> she already did when she said, well, typhoid. That was a long, time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> so then, OK, now you two, how did you meet? This uh, circumstance is something that's super um, unique to me and that I don't know much about.
1: Great. So I, I'll share my side of the story, sure, and then you can talk not? about yours. <laughs> yeah. So um, the way we met was uh, first of all, my parents from India always felt that okay, now the boy is of a certain age and he needs to get married. And I guess they probably had an agenda; they want grandkids also. Ah. <laughs> so um, they would keep sending me letters from India. They would send me pictures of uh, eligible eligible girls, you know, uh, in India who are who may be interested. So the the system in India is what they call arranged marriage. While in this case, I would say it's not arranged marriage, it's more a facilitated marriage. Okay. So they basically are trying to introduce me to other folks of same background, uh, community-wise, etc., and see if any of those would be a good fit for me.
0: Well, it's interesting because we hear about arranged marriages, right, and, and I think most people probably watching this or listening to this they may think gosh I, I, that sounds so foreign to me it yeah. sounds so unusual and then when I heard you two talking about the arranged marriage I thought well this is the exact same thing that all of our parents do right, yeah. which is you know hey you know Johnny around the corner goes to our church and yeah. you know he's single and he yeah. just graduated or yeah. she's you know really into literature and you are too or whatever the case may be yep. so it wasn't like a situation where they said okay this is this is Anna you're gonna marry her yeah, no. Okay. No,
1: it was not a situation like that at all. It was basically introducing us and see if any of those would be uh, the background of the person you know would interest me and fit. And of course, the, the girl had as much say in it as yeah. I did. Okay. That's how it was. Yeah,
2: I wasn't forced into it either.
1: Right.
0: And so how did it how did it work? How did you find out about Raj?
2: So our, my parents again. I mean, these conver- the conversations shift around the dining table. they shift from like college and courses to okay you know now that you've graduated now it's time to get married so what kind of my parents were very open with me in what are your aspirations what kind of a family the conversations always about family yeah they talk about the boy but you're going into a family Oh, you know and and that is how I feel like the arranged marriage system is different from match.com, right? Because you're not just looking at a life partner, you're also looking at a family background. Is it compatible? Mm. Um, It helps because marriage itself is such a struggle at times. You have to put in a lot of work. And so if the families are compatible with his family raised him very similar to how my family raised me. So, the values are similar. Right. It's helpful. So, you know, my parents would ask me what kind of a life I wanted, and, you know, I'd be open with them. So, you know, I kind of went through the same thing that he did. I'd be shown proposals of, hey, here's <laughs> this person, here's this person. And I'm like, I, yeah, well, you know. It was the
0: original match.com, but with family with information. Family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so they're sending these. And how old are both of you at this point in time?
2: I was 19.
0: Okay. Yeah, what about you, I, Raj?
1: I was 25.
0: Okay. So were you considered older at that point for having not married or is that mm-hmm. about is it about normal?
1: It's about normal. Okay. About normal. And about five three to five year age difference between boy and girl was very normal. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so then when did you figure out, okay, well, yeah, mom and dad, this one seems nice, or I guess on paper, this person seems nice, and then yeah. how did you guys meet?
1: So I actually uh, I had some goals that I had set for myself, which is I wanted to make sure that I have a steady job. I wanted to make sure that uh, I have a own home before I consider getting married. Mm-hmm. Because I did not want to bring a person in my life and then have her also go through the same struggles of you know, making ends meet and, and putting things together and then eventually getting into home. I said, I want to treat my wife as a queen. I want her to come right into a palace. And then we'll, of course, build beyond that. So, with those goals set, uh, I basically initial proposals that came to me from my parents, I said, I'm not ready for it. So, I, it was not that the girls were not good. Aww. I just said, I'm not ready for okay. it. But it so happened that I got myself a fairly good job working in Michigan at Chrysler in their IT department. And I was uh, doing very well. And uh, I also bought a house. I actually built a house. Built a house. You know, back then uh, as a single person. And uh, then when her picture came in, uh, it was love at first sight for me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> On paper.
1: Ah, On, I looked at her picture. and says, "Hmm, she looks good." And I said, "It's time for me to visit India."
0: So you went and met her.
1: I went and met her. I was nervous because you know pictures—you only get one dimension of a person. You know, know how the yeah, but that was
0: before the, filters. So you knew, it, it, like she would actually be as beautiful as she is in person.
1: <laughs> it was so. It, it was, so then,
0: uh, so then you guys meet, and then how long? Are, how long before you're engaged? Oh. So that that
2: that is unique. So I don't <laughs> want your listeners to think, oh, that's generally how it happens. We met. And that evening, we were engaged.
0: Oh my <laughs> gosh! He's like, she looks like the picture. Okay, now were, were you going to that meeting expecting an engagement, Anna? No, no. 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 You were just like, I'm going to meet this guy and see. Yeah. He's already started my palace. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, I went in thinking, okay, you know, we are here to. This was the first time I had actually met a prospect, <gasps> right? The other ones were all oh, pictures and here and there. But we were like, okay, you know, and we went, we traveled to his city. Uh, okay, And my parents and I, and you know, we met. Um, it's kind of hard, there's always an entourage. <laughs> right? So your parents are there on the first date with you? And it wasn't a date, it was a gathering. Okay, so but the,
1: the
0: first meeting? Yeah, yeah, first meeting. Okay, so the first meeting, it's both families. So the families are kind of checking each other, are they, are they checking each other out? Like, okay, we might have to spend a, a holiday with this person.
1: So I, I I would say that the families already checked each other out. Oh,
0: that's right because otherwise they wouldn't have exchanged. Exactly. There's some research exactly. so There's they already a
1: due diligence that's, that's done. That's already done uh, right? by okay. the family. So they knew that uh, they are both upper middle class families, they both had the similar values both the families and uh, so they had already met up a few times even before the two of us met. Then eventually when I came to when I went to India and uh, she was there, so they it was it was like a walk in a room and you know we both of us meet each other for the first time with both sides of the family members around us so you know we just look at it and we sheepishly smile at each other and that's all <laughs> we could do and then uh, they said okay you know the two of you need to go and uh, kind of get to know each other I said yeah that's a great idea but guess what the two of us went and there were ten more people along with us
2: so we so- went to spend our time at a zoo <laughs> or a some park yeah. with the family, with around, the family around you know we we got some time to ask questions to each other but that was the extent of it so yeah. you get engaged that night
1: no but there's oh. one thing important so okay, when my parents said to me that hey she's a beautiful girl they come from a good family so why are we you know uh, delaying the decision of making it a you know form proposal so my grandmother also at that time was very old so that was another consideration because that would bring a lot of happiness and joy to her so a lot of you know family things are are play, play a big role into the decision-making process so I said you know I like everything about her but the, the, well, at least there's one question I need to talk to her so I need some private time with her so my family and her family honored that and they gave us some time together and I said to her, "I said, listen, I live in America. You live in India. You know, you know a lot about United States because a lot of your family members also live there. However, you're leaving your family and coming and joining, uh, you know, with me. So um, I have just one question to ask you before I give my uh, uh, okay in this relationship, which is, you are coming into this relationship in with your free will." you're not being pressured to get married to me. Because that's something that I was concerned about. Of that, course. you know, there could be, you know, because we only met for a few hours.
0: Right, so At the we zoo. do not all these zoo animals, all your family members. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, my gosh.
2: <laughs> and so. th- this was fairly common that, you know, uh, kids would be pressured into oh. marriages. Yeah. And because of how the society works, if they had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, it would be difficult for them to disclose that to the family. And so they would still be pressured into marrying somebody who the family thought was appropriate. Even
0: because the girlfriend or boyfriend might not, the, the family doesn't like them in a exactly. certain way or doesn't like their family. Exactly. Or the grandma's not happy about it. Or. Yeah. OK, so so she obviously said, no, I don't feel pressured.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that was it. You know, and once, so
0: then when did you get married?
1: So we basically uh, got engaged that evening within 24 hours of First meeting, we were engaged. And then um, six months later, we were married.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because he came back to the US. I came
1: back to US, yeah.
2: And then did you keep in touch during that We time? did, we did. And it's interesting. Back then, calling each other was extremely expensive. Of course. And so we wrote a lot of
1: letters, a lot of letters.
2: And yes. letters would even take like 10 to 15 days to get here.
1: And, and she would write 10, 15-page long letters.
0: Well, I, I mean, mean, that that's how you are. Part of a love language. You, you know? are introducing
2: yourself too, mm-hmm. right? Because you True. are not able to talk over the phone. So you want to get to know each other through letters. Yeah. He's
0: working 10 jobs so thinking, how do I respond? <laughs> oh, but he <laughs> did respond. Your and over. then he
2: decided he'd send um, cassettes. He would just record oh, audio. while he's cooking, and he'll send so, me a
1: cassette. So I mean, I wanted to be creative. So what I did was, uh, so first of all, letters. So we made a promise to each other uh, that we'll write a letter to each other, one letter every day. So over the last, over six months, we wrote like, I don't know, 100 plus letters to each other. And uh, then uh, she found that some letters came out of sequence. So she said, start numbering the letters. So mm-hmm. that way she knew that, oh, okay, after 14, right. suddenly got 16, and boy, I felt sorry for the postman, because she will then go say, hey, where is letter number 15? <laughs> right, like, hold <laughs> I on, not receive don't it. deliver this, don't deliver this
0: yet. When did you fall in love because obviously, you know, there was an attraction initially. Yeah. Your families liked each other. Grandma was happy. But when did you actually f- come to love each other?
1: Yeah. So love is an interesting thing. Um, we keep falling in love even today. That's how I look Aww. at it. You know, to me, uh, you know, once we knew that our values were same, and once we knew that we are each other's cheerleaders, once we knew that we have respect for each other, you know, then it was like. Hard to say, you know, or do we love each other? To me, love is given. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we did not l- love each other, why would we commit to live together for the rest of the lives yeah. together?
2: I think so, there's a sense of care. I don't know if I can isolate love in our lives. Okay. Love is so multifaceted in at least yeah. our relationship because it's not just, oh, do I love you? But do I love your family? Do I take care of people who are important to you? Uh-huh. Right. There's there's yeah. all of that. It's not individualistic. Well,
0: not everybody has that. I mean, that that's it's, I feel like the big difference between what you're explaining in an arranged situation, what I think the majority of people, you know, born in America have, is that often you don't even meet the family yeah. until yeah. after the fact, until it's too late, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it, down the road. So it's interesting that you say that, it's caring for one another. Um, I do how, how did it feel to move to the U.S. and, um, you know, six months later?
2: Moving to the U.S. was great. I mean, it, it really wasn't something that I was aspiring to, mm-hmm. but I did, I used to tell my parents, I want a life where it's my husband, myself and my kids. You know, I I didn't really want to live in a joint family system. Okay. Um, And that's what I thought I wanted. So, well, I got married, I came here. I was very exposed to the life in the U.S. because my sister was already in the U.S. She had married and come here. And um, I had aunts and uncles, my parents had traveled. So it wasn't new, but I came here and then two months later, Raj's entire family moved to the US.
0: They followed you here? Well, yeah. we knew that was going to happen. <laughs> okay, right? okay. so then you was... had a support system where you had more of like that larger family unit or?
2: I'm so glad you said that because that's something I do want to highlight. There were struggles mm. because now you're suddenly living as part of this large family. Expectations uh, come into play, you know, uh, your personal space, is no longer your personal space and you you're playing a more active role in taking care of everybody right because they're mm-hmm. all living here and for a while we many of us live together in the same house so oh, that can be tough but i do want to highlight it creates a support system that is so strong
1: and a bond that mm-hmm. is so if
2: strong. you if you allow it to happen there will be struggles there will be areas of you know where where you feel like you're rubbing against each mm-hmm. other, but if you allow it to happen, you also come into a space where these bonds are created, which are amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, lifelong, mm-hmm. right?
2: That right? is yeah.
0: interesting. Did did your ch- did you guys um, arrange marriages for your children? No, no, no. And and did you were you tempted to because it's, it seems like it's worked well for you two
1: or. So again, as I mentioned, it's a facilitated marriage. So we always uh, make sure that you know the, the interesting thing about marriage, like everything in life, everything should happen at the right time. So what what we noticed in our kids' case, you know, uh, and, and I'll talk about our second son. Uh, first son, you know, he was uh, uh, fortunate; he found his uh, soulmate. Uh, while he was still in college. Oh, wow. You know, and uh, they met up, and then uh, then it took them some while before they realized that they were made for each other, and eventually they got married. Our younger one, you know, he was having a wonderful, successful career in San Francisco. And Anna and I looked at each other and said, you know what, this boy is married to his job.
0: Ah. Uh-huh.
1: Right? So every time we talked about, okay, you know, do you have any relationships, and uh, can we look at... Uh, a marriage in the near future uh, he would say i'm too busy so uh, we just knew that we have to at least somehow shake him up to make him realize that you know you need to take time relationships don't just come up come come on their own right so uh, fortunately we had a, an opportunity where anna was able to actually go and meet up with him and speak with him and have him open up and take time to you know, find uh, a partner. So we had. Want uh, to talk about the Hawaii trip? No. So that that
2: I would suggest that we say for the younger one, it yeah. it followed a little bit of the arranged marriage system, where you know he was introduced to somebody, sure, yeah. and then both of them met. They took their own time. And uh, they decided, yeah, that was going to be it, and it did work. Oh, it was working great. Oh, oh my gosh!
0: Correct. And now you guys are grandparents. <laughs> yes. and, oh my gosh. Well, I, I just find it so interesting. I love. The, I just feel like I learned so much, and I, and I'm sure that you know every different society has a type of you know way of getting couples together that we can all you know learn from. Yep. That's that's what I've learned from from chatting <laughs> with you. It's really interesting. I also, I don't want to, I feel like I was like hearing about your career, too. So Anna moves here. Yep. Then Raj, how does your, you know, I know your career ended up skyrocketing and, you know, you continued to become very successful with her support
1: Yes. along yes.
0: here. How did that go?
1: So it went really well, actually, uh, because I was focused on my job and my career and I had a very supportive wife who, you know, that, as she mentioned, we were all, again, part of a, larger joint family system here. They had all moved into their own places, but still the joint family was very close by. Mm -hmm. So uh, I uh, applied myself to my job, and uh, I was fortunate to uh, work for Ross Perot. When General Motors bought EDS uh, and we were transitioned over to EDS, I saw him. I saw him in person. I saw his values. I saw his straightforwardness. And that was a breath of fresh air in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I just said, OK, this is the person that I will go to any distance to you know, uh, work for him, learn from him. And uh, I made a very successful career at EDS, which was his company. Uh, the breakthrough, uh, again, a second shot that I got in my corporate jobs uh-huh. was I created a strategy on my own for EDS of recommending them to enter India, because I saw a pattern that EDS customers were going to India, and they needed to they needed support there. India itself was opening up. So there was a big market there for EDS to go and help make uh, bring technology to them. And thirdly, we needed a lot of resources. If you remember the back in the days, the Y2K challenge that we had, oh, yeah. so we needed, you know, uh, lots of manpower to address the so Y2K issue. So you made that issue. connection. I made those to connection. India. Exactly. So I, when I proposed that to EDS, uh, we fortunately, you know, I had talked to several leaders, and then one of the leader took a chance on me, and for a guy who has never done work overseas, he actually let me go and start EDS India. And that, that was, was not way. intentional.
2: Oh, it wow. wasn't Raj's intention to go to India. Yeah, His in, he just wanted to he put was a just strategy. Just saying, hey, together. this is a good idea.
1: It was important for EDS. So, but they said, you know, like, like the old saying, be careful what you ask for; you sure. may get it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So they 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 moved us over there, and Anna also was working for EDS. Both of us, as a team, went to India. We stayed nine months at the La Meridian Hotel with our two boys. The
0: two of you and your boy. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that was home. Nine <laughs> months home. in a hotel.
2: Wow. Yeah. Wow. So wow. Were you ready to come home after that, come back to the America, or how was it? Actually, I have to say the company took very, very good care good. of us. Oh, that's As good. expensive yeah. as that was. And the reason we were in a hotel was at that time in India, um, there was this parallel economy. You know, nobody wanted things in paid through a check. Mm-hmm. They wanted cash. Because that, a lot of that revenue was unreported
1: right. to the
2: government. So they oh, wouldn't okay. have to pay gotcha. taxes yeah. on right. it. And EDS said we will never engage in that kind of business. Yeah. Right. So they said you stay in the hotel as long as you need to. Okay. And you did. But <laughs> our auditors yes. Yeah. Auditors, yes. our, our accounts our company our values have to be okay with uh-huh. exactly what we are spending on so you know that was a wonderful blanket under us right because we were then able to very confidently do business in the most ethical way um without cutting corners oh wow so we That's lived hard. in a hotel yeah we had a, we, it was a very luxurious hotel and yeah. two bedroom suite so we weren't suffering right yeah you know yeah we got tired of eating food outside you know kind of yeah you might want a kitchen back or something yeah yeah yeah, we all felt sick from eating that heavy food day in and day out yeah but uh, i mean no regrets we were able to focus on our work
1: yeah we built a very strong team in india and our goal was to also build a team and then let them hand it over to them so that they can manage it we don't need to always parachute you know, uh, expats, expats to sure. go and run the operation. So we were blessed with a, with a very solid team on ground. And once EDS India was successful, uh, the company asked us, give us a choice, you can continue, you can go back to Michigan, which is where we used mm-hmm. to live back then, or mm-hmm. you can come to headquarters. So that is how our journey from Detroit to Delhi to Dallas happened.
0: Oh my gosh, <laughs> and then you came back here. Okay, I'm like so running out of time, but I'm realizing I have so many more questions that how did you end up career-wise? Like what, what now you're obviously doing Hunger Mattel yeah. and, and I think consulting and doing things like that. Um, what do you consider y- yourselves to be career-wise now?
1: Yeah, well, career-wise, you know, we left our corporate careers uh-huh. 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 years ago, I was the chief strategy officer for Perot Systems before that was sold to Dell and at that time anna and i you know we took an inventory for life what do we want to do and we both decided that it's time for us to give back mm-hmm. uh, i don't know whether i shared with you earlier or not but you know we were influenced by a discourse that we heard about two decades ago by a guru who was visiting los angeles and we happened to be there at the same time and there were three words that he said in his discourse that kind of stuck with us and kind of resonated with us which is Human life is best lived in three stages, and that's learning, earning, and returning. And at the time when EDS um, and Perosystems was sold to Dell, Anna and I felt, okay, enough of our learning and earning. While we'll still continue to do that, but it's our time to put majority of our effort and energy towards returning. Nothing is going with us, right? What are we doing to help the next generation be successful? So that's when we doubled down and we said, let's focus on what are the needs out there that we can impact through whatever limited resources we have. We back then focused on needs in India and other third world countries because that's how we were being programmed. We were, all of us, that is, by the way, that, you know, the need is there. Uh, as right?
2: opposed to, there's hungry people right here
1: exactly. within yeah. a mile of us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean,
2: It's not visible, right? And you can only identify with what you are aware of, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, every time we went to India, we would see the need there, and we're first generation immigrants, so we still have very strong ties with our motherland. So, you know, we started supporting those, but you know that that's how kind of you know when you talk about second shots i would say some are intentional and some just happen and for us the intention of being more focused in the giving side that was very intentional however how we came across hunger as an issue was totally unintentional it happened Mm. right now what we did with that again becomes intentional Right. right? So when sure. Rad says, one door closes, windows open, yeah, but you have to be cognizant of the fact that there is an opportunity that you can do something with. Right. right. So right. which is what I feel we did with Hunger Mitao, because you know, we could have just written our check and be done with it. Mm-hmm. But we thought that there was a larger story here. There was a larger uh, impact that could be made.
0: Well, you're starting a flywheel, right? So yeah, it's like exactly. it's going, it's going, it's going, and then, and then long after you know you've moved on or gone to other projects yep. or whatever the case may be, sure. it's going, like yeah. it's rolling. Uh, Raj, Ana, Asaba, thank you so much. You. I find yeah. you both to be so interesting, and I, I love that you're so passionate about this, and I think that people will find it inspiring, hopefully, to um, think about you know their own giving phase and when yeah. what that's going to look like after they're they're learning and they're earning and, and you returning. know and, and then yeah. they're yeah. and then they're returning. So thank you both so much. Thank you, Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. I pleasure. really appreciate
1: that. We were all over the map, but... Uh, you know. <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> no, that's okay. So here's the deal, you guys. We will uh, link everything to Hunger Matau on our website, CW33.com. Also, you can, of course, get all of these episodes at SecondShotPodcast.com. And these air every week on CW33.